The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another NFL Fantasy Flex episode of the award-winning Action Network podcast presented by BetMGM, the official odds provider of the podcast. I'm Matthew Friedman, the editor-in-chief of Fantasy Labs, and here with me are Sean Corner and Chris Raybon. Sean is the Action Network Director of Predictive Analytics. Chris is a senior editor and analyst at the Action Network, and they are two of the best fantasy football rankers in the world Maybe the universe. I don't, I don't know if I'd go that far, but definitely the world. Uh, week one is in the books. We are on to week two. And in this episode, we are highlighting the players at the top of our rankings, which you can find in our fantasy tool at the Action Network. Our week two rankings are live. We are discussing the guys that we're high and low on, the potential streamers and daily fantasy values, fades, and tournament plays. Of course, for more on DFS, check out our models at Fantasy Labs. And as always in this episode, we're going to speculate on a couple of prop bets for each position. Joining us for all of that is longtime friend of the show, TJ Hernandez, the director of DFS at 4 for 4 and a host of the DFS MVP podcast. TJ, how's it going? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me um, again. Always glad to be on little Action Network action. Happy we got week one in the books. We are on to week two. I mean, it's... Uh, just the grind doesn't stop. And honestly, yeah. this, uh, this is better than the alternative of not having games. You know, Absolutely. I feel like every week at this point, it's just a gift from the football gods. Never going to complain about that. Uh, I want to remind everyone to participate in the best DFS contest on the planet. The Action Network podcast tournament of champions presented by BetMGM. It is a custom tournament on Yahoo exclusively for our listeners, and it's free. You can join by clicking on the link in the show description. The top 10 finishers each week will get over $1,000 worth of Action Network prizes, and the top five finishers each week punch their ticket to the wildcard weekend grand finale where they will compete for the grand prize, a Las Vegas trip for two valued at $5,000 courtesy of BetMGM. Again, listeners can join for free every week Click on the link in the episode description to join. Guys, let's get into the show. TJ, let's start at the quarterback position. The three guys at the top of our rankings, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, Patrick Mahomes. How do you have your top three stacked? Yeah, I mean, those, I mean, we're going to have Lamar and, and Mahomes the one and two pretty much all the time, right? Uh, so, I mean, I, I'd probably give uh, Mahomes a slight bump over Lamar, but I'll go Pat, Lamar, and then Deck. Okay, Sean, how do you have the top three stacked? Do you have uh, Lamar, Dak, and Mahomes? Like, I, I personally was kind of shocked when I uh, did my projections and then saw that I had Dak ahead of Mahomes. Um, but, uh, I mean, that's just how it went in my rankings. Is that how it went in your rankings? Um, no. And to, to be fair, it's still early, uh, in my rankings process. So Dak could pass him up. You know, I, I think the loss of Blake Jarwin could hurt Dak more than we realize. you know, Dalton Schultz really isn't a valid replacement for him. So that's, that's a dynamic piece of this offense. I think he's going to be missing. Um, uh, but you know, when it comes to Mahomes, they, they were definitely more run heavy than you would expect. 
um, when they got up by uh, two scores. And that, that's going to be a common game script for them. So the fact that they were so run heavy, they lean on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You can't really blame them. Uh, worries me in a spot, you know, against the Chargers where they're a touchdown favorite. Um, I, I kind of want to see one more game uh, where, where they have a bigger lead and see if they continue to run heavily. But, yeah, I think it definitely lowers Mahomes' ceiling. So he's, he's much closer to Dak uh, this week than I would have expected. Raymond, how do you have the top three? Yeah, I was kind of with you. I was a little surprised, but uh, Dak edged out Mahomes for that number two spot behind Lamar Jackson. But then I realized exactly why Dak Prescott edged out the, for you know Mahomes. And I mean, he has a a, a shot to 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 be the number one overall quarterback this week because you look at the opponent he's playing, and that opponent happens to be the Dan Quinn, still Dan Quinn coached uh, Atlanta Falcons. So I'll just read you the the passing stats for uh, Russell Wilson last week, 35 attempts, four incompletions, 31 completions for 322 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions, and for good measure, another three runs for 29 yards. I mean, this Falcons defense, we knew it was going to be bad, but you compare that Falcons defense to the Chargers defense, which, uh, you know, you know, is a just stacked with talent, uh, held Borrow in check for most of the game, you know, stumbled on that last drive a little bit. But uh, I, I kind of agree with Sean that in this particular game script, I think, you know, you worry a little more, more about Mahomes having that ceiling game. Whereas Dak, I mean, Jarwin or not, it, it's just like he has three of the top receivers in the game. You know, similar setup to Seattle, which is not great at the tight end position either. So, um, you know, I mean, I don't think throwing a Dalton Schultz is going to help anything, but he probably will just target CD Lamb even more. And remember, those Rams cornerbacks were really good in, in that Sunday night game. So I don't even think we saw the full arsenal or, or you know, really see the full offense unleashed that Mike McCarthy offense. Uh, because Amari Cooper was relatively held in check uh, for most of that game. Of course, Gallup had the call go against him at the end and, and was being you know, saw a lot of Jalen Ramsey as well. So uh, I really like Dak this week and, and wouldn't be surprised at all if he was right up there with Lamar when it's all said and done. Yeah, it might be a situation where, like, obviously the Seahawks were letting Russ cook, but maybe it's more that uh, the Falcons are just sort of like this restaurant with an open kitchen where they have a lot of visiting chefs who come in and, you know, one night a week, they just cook their favorite meals and tear up that kitchen. That just might be the way it is whenever anyone is going against the Falcons. So uh, Dak could cook this week. Uh, TJ, who is a quarterback that you are relatively high on in comparison to the consensus? Yeah, I think Aaron Rodgers uh, will be another guy that's pretty popular coming off of his big week. Uh, and even though Josh Allen had a really nice week uh, in week one, he was the QB three. Uh, I, I think he'll probably not necessarily go overlooked, but be underowned because of the three guys we mentioned, plus Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Josh Allen's going to get a Miami defense that we just saw Cam put up 75 rushing yards on, which is obviously a huge part of Josh Allen's game. And the Bills offense, they're, they're not the offense that uh, – that we've seen with Josh Allen. Uh, obviously, they have Stephon Diggs, who's going to support that that deep ball upside that we're going to get from Josh Allen and John Brown. But Brian DeBall had Josh Allen throwing the ball quick. He had him throwing the ball accurate. He had him throwing screen passes to his, to his running backs. You're going to get the Josh Allen where he overthrows John Brown in the end zone. He had a couple fumbles. Those are random. He lost 
a passing touchdown worth of value with those fumbles, but that's not going to happen every week. The, seeing them come out and throw those quick passes to John Brown and Diggs and for him hitting on those, I'm really encouraged by this offense, one that I'm going to be targeting this week and, and probably all season because I think just people's bias towards this team is going to take a long time to catch up. Sean, who's the guy that you're relatively high on? Yeah, so first off, I'm, I'm right there with TJ on Josh Allen. I, I, I loved his week one performance. You know, other than the, the John Brown missed touchdown and the two fumbles, you're going to get that with Josh Allen from time to time. But, you know, he, he flushed the ceiling. I was thinking he had the potential of this year. I think Stephon Diggs will help unlock that. He, he threw for over 300 yards. So I think he has that Lamar Jackson type upside, especially if he's still running it 14 times a game like he did. So um, I, I love his GVP upside, I should say. Uh, against the Dolphins. I, I could see a Josh Allen, uh, Stefan Stack going off here. Um, and the other guy I want to highlight is Mitch Trubisky. Um, he's my top streaming play this week at QB, which is more of a sign that it's that it's uh, slim pickings for the uh, streamer people out there week two. But um, he did look better. Uh, the, the first three quarters, obviously, he was pretty lackluster, but he came alive in that fourth quarter comeback. Um, and I think the one thing I noticed is he just has more weapons surrounding him this year. I think uh, Daryl Mooney could – you know, fill in that Taylor Gabriel role. But uh, I think Jimmy Graham, uh, as, as much as I, you know, shit on Jimmy Graham all the time, he is not great at tight end. You know, he had uh, Jesper Horstead and J.P. Holtz to throw to the second half of last season. So I think it gives him another red zone weapon. And I think if we see uh, Trubisky unleash, you know, with his rushing ability, um, especially this week, I think he has some QB1 upside. So I'm ranked pretty high at uh, QB13 this week. Raymond, who's the guy you really like? I mean, from a straight-up pricing perspective, I think Kyler Murray is, is a steal at 6.1K. Uh, you know, he's behind about 10 other quarterbacks in, in DraftKings pricing, and Kyler Murray almost led the, uh, you know, the Sunday slate in rushing, had a couple of kneel-downs late, but, um, you know, really strong performance all around from him, going against that Washington football team defense that, uh, you know, it's not great on the back end. It, it's it's going it, to – they're going to get pressure, but remember – now we're talking about Kyler Murray, a guy who can escape pressure. That's the same reason that he's able to give the 49ers sits uh, a really high-quality defense uh, every time they play because their pressure doesn't necessarily impact him the way it would uh, with a majority of other quarterbacks. So I uh, really like Kyler Murray, who threw for 325 yards and had a big rushing day as well, almost got to 100. So uh, love him. And then I think there's some sneaky – like I agree with Sean, there's, it's kind of a – crapshoot for the streamers but there are some sneaky guys just based on some terrible defensive performances uh, in week one so you know the, the Minnesota Vikings we saw how they got torched so Rivers actually threw for for over 360 against Jacksonville um, this game could end up being a shootout this might not be the Mike Zimmer defense that we're used to at least not yet uh, so you know he's at 5900 and then you have Kirk Cousins in that same game going against Colts defense that allowed Gardner Minshew to go 19 of 20. You know we ha- we kind of have this perception of what those teams may be and you know the Colts is a run heavy team and the Vikings is a run heavy team with a good defense but that just might not be the case especially if the game script kind of goes off with with one of the teams able to exploit the other's defense so uh, I think that's kind of a sneaky a sneaky game stacking situation and then uh, Ryan Tannehill, uh, you know, 43 pass attempts against Denver in a 16-14 to 14 game. I thought he looked really good. I thought the play action was really strong. And, and the more of a sample size we're starting to get on Tannehill, I think it's becoming evident that 
the coaching in, in Tennessee is really helping. And, you know, the, the way they can kind of feed Derrick Henry and he's moving the chains, even when he's having bad games, he's moving the chains. And then they're able to play action almost every play on early down. And we know how much play action increases efficiency. So even on a low volume game, I think Ryan Tannehill could light up this Jaguars defense. And remember, this Jaguars defense probably going to struggle against the run too, which is only going to help Tannehill. Uh, so, and, and are they going to attempt another field goal for the rest of the season? Probably not. So you're getting some additional potential, you know, red zone upside from Tannehill who got that second touchdown because he was able to, um, you know, on a fourth down play to John o. Smith. I, I think Tannehill is a guy that is probably going to continue to kind of post numbers that seem a little bit, you know, regression prone and out of his league. But just watching Tennessee and what they did against a pretty good Denver defense in a tough, in a tough environment, uh, you know, gives me a, a lot of optimism on, on that passing game. All right. A guy uh, I like quite a bit is Cam Newton. Uh, I was high on him last week. I'm going to continue to be high on him. Obviously not on the main slate, but just for, you know, normal uh, season long fantasy. I think he offers a ton of value and uh, that offense with the Patriots, you know, maybe it's a situation where because they were playing the Dolphins, they were just able to run off a lot of plays, but I think they're still going to play, uh, fairly fast, even for a team that runs the ball. Uh, we saw with the Cam Newton uh, Panthers, they would run you know, around 64 plays per game. Uh, with the Patriots under Tom Brady, they would run around 67 plays per game. Uh, you know, you put the two together, I think they ran 65 plays in week one. I just, I continue to, to think that this will be an offense that even though it's not dynamic uh, in a way that people normally think of, uh, it will still be one that provides a lot of value for Cam, even if no one else really benefits in that offense. So uh, certainly interested in Cam Newton. If you're playing DFS GPPs, Yahoo does use the Sunday night game on their main slate. And there's actually a lot of value in Yahoo GPPs right now. They have some overlay. And I think a lot of people that are over there um, aren't as experienced. So by having that Sunday night game on your main slate, um, there's obviously a lot of leverage opportunities with late swap that I don't think people are implementing properly over there. Uh, So just a note there on, on Sunday night and Cam. Great stuff there, TJ. Uh, who are you relatively low on this week? Um, not even just this week, but like from what I saw week one and, and moving forward, um, Tyrod Taylor and, and just the Chargers offense as a whole uh, was one that I was really disappointed in. I, I, I Tyrod was not somebody that I was on in cash, but someone that was pretty popular in cash. And a lot of that has to do with his rushing ability. And we didn't see it. I think he had two rushes for negative two yards or something like that, or negative one yard. <clears throat> and then one of the issues with Tyrod and his offense uh, offenses when he was in Buffalo was that um, he spread the ball around. Now targets are a, a talent stat the, the best players are going to get targets, but Tyrod never had a 100 target player in Buffalo. And then we saw him spread the targets out almost perfectly evenly amongst his top three targets and not including Eckler in that. Uh, so he's just given me a lot of pause and reserve about that offense in general, especially if he's not going to be running the ball, he loses pretty much all of his fantasy value. Yeah. Uh, entirely with you on that. Uh, very disappointing to have him as a, uh, as a, as a late uh, quarterback option that you got in like super flex or two QB leagues thinking that you got some value there. No value. Uh, Sean, who's someone you're looking to stay away from? It's already mentioned, but, you know, Patrick Mahomes, I'm just a bit worried about his ceiling. I still think, you know, he's a great play, and I, I, I actually still have him as my QB, too. 
but his ceiling is capped if, if they're going to be so run heavy when they get a big lead. So I'm a little bit worried about him uh, against the Chargers. Another guy that I'm, I'm lowering quite a bit is Jared Goff. Um, just based on what I saw week one, this offense looks like it's going to be pretty conservative, like a clock-eating, run-heavy type one. Even without Todd Gurley, they, they tend to favor giving um, you know carries inside the five-yard line. I think that kills Goff's touchdown upside, which for somebody that doesn't really rush for uh, many yards – he kind of needs that upside. So he's going to have a lot of empty 300-yard games, I think, low dot type offense. So uh, I, I'm down on him and the you know a guy like Cooper Cup as well. You know, I, I tend not to overreact to week one too much, but it, it just was concerning seeing that that was kind of their game plan. So I'm down on Goff overall. Rayvon, who are you staying away from? Tom Brady. Tom Brady uh, at 6.5K, that's just too much for a quarterback that came out – really awful looking in week one against a defense that is pretty good, but also a defense that um, has been vulnerable to quarterbacks in the past, a defense that you should be able to kind of stay with in a shootout at least. And, um, you know, I just thought Tom Brady's accuracy was off. I thought, you know, he's, he probably just hasn't fully picked up this, this offense without, without a full, um, you know, camp and preseason. And let's remember Tom Brady was in the same offense for, essentially 20 years almost, you know, give or take, you know, a couple of different variations, but, um, you know, definitely extremely experienced in that offense. And we saw him really stumble down the stretch at the end of last season. And that's also a red flag because the man's 43 years old. Um, you know, he averaged under six yards in attempt uh, over the last 10 games of last year. So there's just a lot of red flags for me not to, you know, even against a, a shaky defense like uh, Carolina, just not to really invest in a guy who's not going to run the ball um, too much. Obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo is another one. Um, he's a guy that just is not playing with a full deck at, at his pass catching positions. Raheem Mostert's not going to break a 76 yard touchdown uh, on a catch every week. And I think San Francisco is going to play really close to the vest while everyone gets healthy because now they're playing a Jets team who, unlike Arizona, is just ill equipped to force a shootout. Okay, a guy I'm looking to stay away from is Deshaun Watson. Uh, I have him ranked number nine, which is uh, maybe a little bit too low. Uh, if I'm, you know, trying to, if I'm looking in the mirror, you know, maybe it's too low. But I don't know. It's I think it's a, a tough matchup. Obviously, going against the Ravens, uh, who have one of the best secondaries in the league. Um, I think with their run-focused offense, uh, the Ravens can uh, control the clock, uh, and so I could see fewer offensive plays. For Houston. Uh, and then, you know, it's just again a situation. Uh, Deshaun Watson is without DeAndre Hopkins. And it's not to say that Hopkins' absence was the cause of everything that didn't go right with Houston's offense in the first week, but uh, I'm sure it didn't help either. So I think there are just enough red flags there uh, and enough good matchups for some of these other quarterbacks where I'm fine bumping Watson down the board a little bit. Uh, let's go to running back. All right, let's go to running back. And uh, the guys at the top of our board, we have Christian McCaffrey, Derrick Henry, Ezekiel Elliott. Probably not much of a, of a surprise there. Uh, TJ, how do you have your top three? Like quarterbacks, I think we're always going to have CMC right up there. I like Zeke number two just because uh, for all the points you guys talked about uh, with Dak and just that Dallas offense, I mean, Zeke still saw uh, almost half of the team touches. He's going to get that goal line work. And then I'm probably going to, put Clyde Edwards Hilaire above of above Zeke um, again going back to the points um, that Sean and Chris mentioned with the ceiling of that offense um, if if we 
don't know if that Mahomes uh, can have a ceiling game because of how run heavy they were, then I think it's natural to say that CH has crazy upside and definitely top three upside. Sean, how are you ranking the top three? Yeah, so I have CMC number one, of course, Zeke number two. And, you know, the one thing I forgot to mention when it came to Dak and just the Cowboys offense overall is just how much the, the Rams were able to keep them off the field. I mean, they got killed in terms of time of possession. They only had the ball for 24 minutes. So I think their overall volume is going to go up. So a guy like Zeke, I still consider to be the number two uh, back in fantasy. And then number three, I have Derrick Henry um, at home against Jacksonville. That's just the perfect Derrick Henry game script. And if Darrington Evans is out again, um, you know, Henry caught three balls on Monday night. So, um, it, you know, having Henry with the uh, passing game usage is, you know, going to raise the ceiling even more. So he's my uh, number three running back this week. Raymond, what about you? Yep, it's uh, McCaffrey, and then it's Zeke, number two, and then Henry, number three. And uh, actually have Henry, number one, in standard. Uh, Derek Henry, remember, uh, this is a spot where he is a favorite uh, since 2018 as a favorite. 19.6 rushing attempts for 103.6 rushing yards and 1.2 rushing touchdowns per game compared to 66 uh, rushing yards and just uh, 0.56 uh, touchdowns as an underdog. So this is a smash spot for Derrick Henry and 31 carries last week in a close game. And as Sean mentioned, another three, uh, you know, through in the receiving game. I mean, no one has this kind of upside. Like even McCaffrey doesn't have, like he's not touching the ball, like, you know, close to 40 times a game. At least I don't think he is. So uh, Derrick Henry for me, uh, you know, number three in PPR, but number one in standard. All right. Uh, and, yeah, I have it exactly the way that we have it on the site. Chris McCaffrey, Henry, Zeke, uh, and Rayvon, I, I do agree. I think you can make a very strong case for Henry, uh, number one uh, in, in standard. And, you know, honestly, I mean, I don't want to say number one overall, but you, as long as he's the only guy that you're projecting in that backfield to get a touch, I mean, it's there, there's a case to be made. So, uh, but I, yeah, I feel pretty good about those those three at the top of the board. Uh, TJ, running back that you are high on. Uh, I'm going to start with the easy free-ish square this week. Uh, Benny Snell uh, looks like James Conner is at least going to be questionable for week two. Uh, we saw Snell turn 19 carries into over 100 yards last week, pretty much uh, got exclusive touches once once Conner was hurt. Uh, Pittsburgh's going to be a six-and-a-half-point favorite this week, 4,500 on DraftKings for Snell. I will note, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Raybon, but uh, last year all all of the salary floor was 3,000. Week one, they raised it to 4,000, and I thought that might just be like to save their ass for week one in case there was a free square, but it's back to 4,000 again this, uh, this week. So um, the free squares aren't going to be as free this year. Yep. That's definitely true there. The salary floors are changed and that it has a big impact on even the flex position, which I'm sure mm-hmm. we'll talk about. In a bit. Sean, who, uh, who's someone you're rather bullish on? So the first guy for me is Malcolm Brown. And again, I try not to overreact to week one too much. But he really did look like the workhorse back. Um, and I'm not saying Cam Akers gets a significant downgrade. I think both backs can be uh, RB2 potential. But, I mean, it goes to show that the Rams value Malcolm Brown. They, they matched the Lions uh, tender sheet last year. Uh, so they wanted to keep him. And, you know, he ran over 60% routes run per dropback. So just one of the areas I didn't think he'd be valuable is his receiving uh, part of the game. But I, I mean, if they're going to use him in that way and as a goal back, that's significant. So I consider him 
you know, a tentative running back two this week. Um, and, you know, Daryl Henderson is a bit banged up. So if he's out of the rotation, that's why I think Malcolm Brown and Cam Akers can both have value. Um, and then the other guy I want to mention is Antonio Gibson. You know, he was the free square play of the week. And unfortunately, it turned into more of a Peyton Barber uh, game script. So I think this week at Arizona as a touch on underdog, we, we could see more Gibson. Um, again, we'll have to monitor if J.D. McKissick eats into his passing game work. Uh, but I'm hoping that the negative game sort of will help Gibson, and he should be undervalued this week as people uh, move on to better uh, free square plays this week. So I like his upside here. Yeah, Sean, as a Cam Akers stan, uh, it hurts, but uh, you are correct, uh, I think, in your assessment of Malcolm Brown. He clearly, even just like the eyeball test, he looked like the, the better runner in week one, and, and the numbers really backed it up just in terms of uh, efficiency and then also overall volume. So, uh, yeah, certainly someone to be, uh, to, to be optimistic about for what he could do in the future. I just want to give you guys the, the numbers behind the routes, just since you guys were talking about it. Uh, for, for Washington, it was McKissick, 21 pass routes, Antonio Gibson with eight, and uh, Peyton Barber with six. So that, that could be problematic, just because Gibson also led the backfield in snaps with 31, um, Barber 29, uh, Gibson actually third with 18. For the Rams, it was Malcolm Brown with 21 routes and 44 snaps, and then it was Akers with... 10 routes and 24 snaps and Henderson only one route and five snaps. So yeah, Brown looks like the clear leader there. Thanks for putting those numbers to my pain. Appreciate it. Hey man, we've talked about this all off season. So I felt like it was like a, you know, indirect gloat. Cause I called the McKissick. I call, I, I said it was going to be some ridiculousness where McKissick was going to lead that backfield. And of course it, it hurt though. Cause I had Gibson in cash as well. Raybon, who do you like for week two? Um, Taylor gang. You know, Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Mack, uh, Achilles injury, very unfortunate. But Jonathan Taylor looked good in week one, busted off a couple big plays. Um, it's going to be the Colts starting back in week two. I don't think Naeem Hines is getting, you know, goal line carries and all these, you know, all this ridiculousness every week. I think he'll mix in and he's an important part of that offense, especially now. But uh, Jonathan Taylor really has that chance that we've kind of been hoping for with um, Mack out of the picture. I don't think you're going to see a ton of, of Jordan Wilkins, he will be the number three back. But I really like Jonathan Taylor at 5.7K on DraftKings, which is actually cheaper than than Brown. It's kind of in the middle of Snell and Brown. So not quite as good a value uh, as Snell, but um, I, at least on DraftKings, I think uh, better value than, uh, than Malcolm. Yeah, Raymond, I'm, I'm with you there on Jonathan Taylor. Uh, looking at my projections, I want to try to find a way to be more uh, more invested in him so that I can move him up the rankings. Austin Eckler is a guy that uh, I'm relatively optimistic about this week. Just kind of like big picture statement. Um, He had a career high in carries last week. So like that's good news. We're not going to see him have only one target again. I I feel pretty confident saying that moving forward. And so I, you know, it's a negative situation that Joshua Kelly got the goal line usage, but I I think that's just something that you're going to have to deal with. But uh, I think Eckler is still going to be a guy who has a really good chance of having 16 to 20 touches per week. And in this week specifically, going against the Chiefs, I think he's going to have pass-heavy game script where uh, the targets will flow just a little easier. So uh, Eckler is still someone I am looking to invest in. TJ, who is someone that you are low on? 
Aaron Jones and Raheem Mostert, uh, both offense. Um, the Packers offense looked really good. But if we look at the shares, uh, Mostert, 59.4% of the backfield touches. Aaron Jones was at 54% of the backfield touches. San Francisco, uh, Tevin Coleman was thinking about sitting out because of the air quality, and that's probably not going to be a problem this week. So even without Coleman there, we saw Mostert under 60%. Like Raybon said, he's not going to score an ADR touchdown every week um, and not going to continue the efficiency that we saw down the stretch last year with Aaron Jones. He had the low touch share with AJ without AJ Dillon even really being involved. Uh, so two guys. Wait, wait, TJ, just... say that again. Say that again. Without AJ Dillon even being involved. Aaron yeah, Jones. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did you hear that one? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> just, just I, thought, I, I spaced <laughs> out. I wasn't paying attention. Thank, thank so you, TJ. As, as those two running backs, Coleman and, and, and Dillon get more work. Obviously the guys at the top, I think are going to lose some of it. So, um, Guys that are both in good spots this week, but I think are, are risky this week and are just going to continue to get more risky moving forward. All right, Sean, who are you relatively low on? Yeah, so I'm, I'm with TJ on Mostert. Um, you know, Jets are more of a pass funnel defense, so I could see them um, working in Jerick McKinnon even more. And yeah, like you said, Tevin Coleman, if you go into that game due to the air quality, so I think we'll see more Tevin Coleman here. The other guy that I'm low on is Nick Chubb. I'm very worried about Nick Chubb after um, week one. Mainly because, you know, he needs the Browns to be good to have uh, game scripts for, for his running style. So um, that's my number one concern is the Browns didn't look too great. But, you know, Cream Hunt took a goal line carry, and I was not expecting that. As somebody that has more shares of Cream Hunt, I'm, I'm kind of gloating during this. But, you know, if, if I did end up a Chubb, I mean, you had to spend high draft capital for what looks to be more of a high-end RB2 at this point. So I think this week's going to be telling against a team like the Bengals. They should. Uh, have the lead most of the game. I want to see Chubb to dominate the rushing work, and especially on the goal line. If not, I think uh, we, we definitely have to be very concerned about Chubb. Yeah, Sean, uh, I'm with you there on Chubb. He's the guy I was going to talk about. Uh, I put his name in the show sheet and you didn't. So uh, way, oh, to, way to steal him from me. But uh, no, totally agree on Chubb. And I mean, I have him ranked as a low-end RB2 at this point. I mean, obviously with positive game script, you imagine he will be the guy who gets more usage in that backfield, but we don't know that for sure. Uh, we don't know that the game is going to go in a Chubb-friendly fashion. And even if it does, Kareem Hunt could still end up stealing a lot of the carries. And obviously we know he's the guy for targets. So uh, very pessimistic on Chubb this week. Raybon, what about you? Who are you down on? I mean, y'all, y'all just like got me all thrown off because I have Chubb ranked super high. I have him in the top 10. And now I feel like I need to lower him. I mean, I, I, de- I definitely saw that kind of split in the snaps where, but Chubb actually ran, ju- you know, just as many routes as Hunt. So it was like a, a more of a 50-50 split. But I- I'm looking at the Bengals and they gave up 33 carries for 148 yards to running backs uh, and a touchdown. Uh, only uh, one team, the Cowboys, gave up more running back carries on the week. So I was kind of thinking that, you know, coming off a game where you, you had a blowout and, uh, you had a situation where they were a little bit over aggressive, you know, fake punt. Uh, it feels like a spot where they are just going to feed Chubb, um, you know, to kind of in, in a home favorite short week situation. Um, but maybe I'm a little too bullish on that. So I uh, just wanted to kind of throw that out there. But uh, a guy I'm, I'm low on is Melvin Gordon. Uh, I think he had a really strong start to his Denver career. But you look at, you know, who he's going against this week, and it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Saquon Barkley – is, is, does he have a positive gain, uh, you know, yet? Uh, like, say the Giants ran 16 times. The Giants running backs ran 16 times for seven yards. 
Saquon ran 15 times for six yards. And that's Saquon Barkley. Like, that's a guy who is explosive. And even when he gets hit in the backfield, it's usually good to, you know, break at least one of those off into something. And he got absolutely nothing. So uh, I'm, I'm worried about Melvin Gordon. I know that he'll get, you know, the majority of the, the work, it looks like, with Lindsey Hurt. But I think people are going to be kind of, exci- uh, you know, maybe a little too excited about him just because of the workload. And um, I, I just think that's a really dangerous defense to go up against. Up next, we have wide receivers. But first, let's take a quick break to talk with Peter Jennings, a.k.a. CSU Ram 88, a two-time DFS world champion and a co-founder of Fantasy Labs. Pete, how's it going? Great. I uh, really enjoyed week one and uh, already excited for week two. How are you approaching cash games this week? I think there's going to be a lot of value at running back just with what we saw in week one and some of the injuries and some of the pricing. So we're loading up there, paying up at receiver. And uh, yeah, I think there's a couple options uh, at quarterback. How are you approaching GPPs? Definitely going to do some game stacks, uh, specifically eyeing this Dallas passing game. They ran really bad on Sunday night, could have easily had an eruption game there. And I think going against Atlanta, I like Dak and all the pass catchers for the Cowboys and love running it back with Julio, Ridley, and the Atlanta weapons. All right, who are some quarterbacks you like? I think in cash, I'm looking at Kyler Murray at the top. I really like the spot for him, and he was electric. We saw the rushing touchdown. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is an excellent addition to this offense. So I will be uh, loading up Kyler Murray in cash, and uh, we'll have some exposure to him in tournaments as well. What about running back? You mentioned some value plays. Who are some guys who've caught your eye? Right, so the big the big news, obviously, is in Indianapolis with Mac out. I think Jonathan Taylor uh, has a ton of talent, and now he's going to get more opportunity. Naheem Hines is in that same spot. And then, you know, if Connor does miss, uh, Benny Snell looks like really, really nice value. And if you want to spend up, you can you know, go up to Ezekiel Elliott, Alvin Kamara, Derek Henry. I think all those options are fine as well. Who are some wide receivers you want? You mentioned the uh, Dallas-Atlantic game stack. Uh, I'm assuming some guys in that game and then anyone else. The one guy that everyone's going to pay up for after last week, uh, specifically in cash, I think he's a great tournament fade, is Devontae Adams. But the volume is incredible. I think it's a great spot. And on DraftKings with the 100-yard bonus and just how many targets he's getting, hard to ignore Devontae Adams. Uh, also, obviously, like everyone on Dallas, Gallup, Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb, I think is going to have a bigger and bigger role as the season goes on. And then cheaper guys, I think, you know, Mike Williams, Deontay Johnson look nice, uh, Jameson Crowder as well. So, uh, there's a lot of uh, options at wide receiver, and uh, that's where you can definitely be contrarian in tournaments. Who are the guys you like at tight end? You know, I want to spend up to, you know, get up to Kelsey uh, in some spots if I can. I certainly like Zach Ertz a lot. Um, I think there's a lot of options at tight end that you can go to. Hunter Henry, I think, is interesting. Uh, they're having to play from behind. Uh, he should see a lot of volume. So expect the Chargers offense to bounce back a little bit. Uh, and then Mark Andrews is another guy if you're spending up that I think makes a lot of sense. Earlier you mentioned the Dallas Atlantic game stack. Are there any under the radar game stacks that have caught your eye? Yeah, I love the the Colts Vikings game as a contrarian stack. I think you go away from the running backs on the Colts and you load up in the passing game. T.Y. Hilton at home, really like the spot for him. Pascal looked really good. And then Thielen just blew up, uh, which is interesting as well. I'm not sure how heavily owned he'll be, but I think he's uh, another option and certainly could go to Dalvin Cook or however you want to stack uh, that game of the Vikings. But specifically love T.Y. Hilton in this spot. All right, Pete, thanks for dropping in. Thanks so much for having me. 
Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. All right, let's uh, move along to wide receivers. The guys at the top of our rankings, Devonta Adams, Julio Jones, Tyreek Hill. Man, Adams just had a massive performance uh, in week one. And obviously, uh, Michael Thomas now dealing with an injury. So we do have a change at the top of the wide receiver leaderboard for the first time in you know what feels like a, a year and a half or two years. But TJ, how are you stacking your top three wide receivers? Um, I agree with you guys. Uh, Adams and Julio, one and two, especially with Julio uh, and that potential shootout against Dallas in a super concentrated passing game. Tyreek, I'm actually going to put him behind DeAndre Hopkins just because DeAndre Hopkins such a big part of, of that offense last week. And as Raybon mentioned, Washington, their weakness is on the back end. Uh, love Tyreek. I think you could kind of do 3A, 3B. But with the Chiefs, like there's there's five guys that could score the touchdowns on, the, on that team. So um, if he doesn't get, you know, the, the two touchdowns, uh, it, it could just be not as big of a game as the other three guys. Sean, how do you have the top three? Yeah, so I have it. Uh, Devontae, number one, of course, we'll have to monitor – uh, Mike Thomas's injury and it's going to be brutal he plays Monday night so we might not know if he's active until yeah. the day of so that's going to be tricky for uh, season-long leagues and then I have Julio number three and uh, my, my fantasy of having Julio and Calvin Ridley both ranked in the top five is potentially coming soon I have Ridley number seven uh, so ho- hopefully in the next couple weeks we can get Ridley in the top five with Julio who do you have number two? Oh, I said Mike T uh Mike Thomas Oh, you have, you have Mike Thomas. Yeah, I have Mike second. Thomas number two. I mean, how, how can we – The dude from Cincinnati? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Mike <laughs> Thomas. No, I have Michael Thomas uh, number two for now. I don't have him anywhere close to my top ten. Like, for me, it's a pretty significant uh, fade. And, you know, I'll be yeah. monitoring the news and make adjustments. But, yeah, right now uh, I'm, I'm pretty down on him. Rayvon, what are you doing with Michael Thomas and uh, how are you looking at your top three? Yeah, I just lowered his, uh, you know, kind of expectation to account for the chance of him missing a game. So, yeah, he's further down for me. I, I'm not looking at it now, but I believe he's, like, you know, in the like 10th or something like that. So, But it's essentially because I knocked him down. Right. And, and a high ankle sprain, that doesn't sound yeah. ideal. So, I think I will probably not have him in the top three, uh, even if he's active in week two. Uh, have Devontae with Julio really, really close and, uh, and Tyreek number three. Okay. I have Devontae number one, Julio number two. I'm probably going to catch some grief for this, and I will probably end up adjusting it, but uh, I don't care. I have Amari number three. He had a tough matchup, but he had 14 targets, and he still ended up having, you know, like a not horrible game given that he was going against Jalen Ramsey. I think given the situation that he has now, the offense at home, fantastic matchup, I still think he's going to have – the most targets out of anyone on this team. And given that I'm expecting a onslaught from Dallas, I, I want to go with Amari. And, you know, we have him ranked in the top five collectively. So I, I feel like, you know, and I'm probably the one who's dragging Amari up to number five by ranking him number three. But uh, I don't know. I just, uh, part of it is that I'm very bullish on the Cowboys this season in general. 
Uh, and so that prior is impacting uh, the projections right now because it is still just week two. But the fact that Cooper had so much volume in week one uh, is also part of what's factoring into this. I'm uh, number five. So you yeah, you're not five. Yeah. yeah. Uh, TJ, who is a wide receiver that you are very optimistic on this week? Uh, going forward, Will Fuller, uh, 10 targets accounted for 32.3% of Houston's targets. That was the seventh highest target share in week one. Uh, Friedman, you mentioned uh, Deshaun Watson could struggle a little bit. I agree with that, but the way fantasy scoring works, uh, your quarterback can can be down and your wide receiver one could be up. Uh, they, they could be in some negative game scripts, so I think he's aligned for double-digit targets again. And uh, obviously, we all know that Fuller has as much upside as almost any wide receiver in the league. So uh, I, I really love Fuller this week priced down uh, as wide receiver 14 on DraftKings, wide receiver 27 on FanDuel so love him over there um, but targeting fuller heavily this week totally agree uh that feels way too cheap and i have him ranked number 10 uh we have him number 16 in our ranking so i'm i'm higher than uh than sean and, and rayvon on fuller uh maybe foolishly so but uh i'm i'm with you uh, i want to be invested as much as I can, as long as he is healthy, because who knows how long that will last. Uh, Sean, who is a wide receiver you are high on? Um, I'm pretty high on C.D. Lamb um, going forward. I, I liked what I saw uh, in his debut. Uh, I think his after-the-catch ability is elite. Um, and, you know, I mentioned earlier, Blake Darwin injury could force them to, you know, throw to C.D. Lamb even more. Um, so, so I like him. This is going to be a shootout against the Falcons. So I love just stacking this game um, as many ways possible. And I think CD line will be my most owned player in this game. Um, and then Robbie Anderson, I feel like I try to never underestimate Robbie Anderson. And I, I feel like we all did going into the season, but you know, he has the potential to be, you know, the number two um, pass or you know, number three target in this offense. Um, and, you know, they're going to face a ton of negative game scripts. Teddy Bridgewater showed he's, he's not really afraid of throwing a deep to Anderson. We saw that on the 75-yard touchdown. So I think going forward, just I think I'm going to be a little bit more bullish on Robbie Anderson. And uh, this is a matchup against the Buccaneers where they could throw his way deep uh, a couple times here. Raybon, who is someone you are high on? I mean, I had CeeDee Lamb in the outline, and my number one guy, and Sean stole him, but uh, totally agree. Uh, CeeDee Lamb was uh, essentially a full-time player in week one, and this Falcons defense can't stop anyone. Some other guys I like, um, I like uh, I like T.Y. Hilton a lot. Uh, I think that you know he ran the most routes for the Colts, and you look at what Devontae Adams did to this Vikings defense, and again, I think early in the year, the one um, edge you can sometimes have is to not – kind of what those prior perceptions from last year and what the defenses were um, influence you early on. And so, you know, I'm looking at this like this Vikings defense is a below average defense and so prove them wrong. And uh, this game could be a big shootout. Uh, and then some other guys, Corey Davis at 4K, uh, you know, he, he kind of really surprised, in, you know, in the, in the game uh, on Monday night, 100 yards. Uh, I think that he's going to be a bigger part of this offense. And it's a, it's a pretty good matchup for him against, against Jacksonville. And on the other side, I like LaVisca Chenault Jr. Uh, we, we thought that he might break out early on. He scored a touchdown, also got a couple of carries, lined up in the backfield a couple of times. And uh, D.D. Westbrook looks like he's completely out of the rotation, which opens up a spot for Chenault. And I think his role uh, is only going to grow. Raymond, I'm with you there on Hilton. Uh, in fact, I think I need to go back into my projections and look at some of my numbers because something might be off, but I, I have Hilton in the top 10. 
like that, that might be, that might be too aggressive, but uh, everything you mentioned there, uh, the matchup, the fact that he uh, actually has a, you know, a quarterback whose skill set uh, is a little more conducive to, getting production out of a wide receiver. Uh, so it's, it's a good situation for him. Two key so, drops for him too. So like yeah. he could have had a much bigger game. He had two key drops and essentially put the loss on himself in, in that game. Yeah. So uh, I'm, I'm very much on T.Y. Hilton this week. Uh, TJ, who is a wide receiver you are fading? Um, DJ Shark, man. Uh, I, he's a player that I hate to say it about because he was one of my most drafted players in best ball, but uh, we saw Jacksonville in a neutral game script have basically a 50-50 pass run split, only 20 balls up for grabs, and only three of those um, went to DJ Shark. We saw uh, LaVisca involved. Uh, Gardner Minshew is going to pull it down and run a little bit, so I don't know if there's going to be much passing volume there. Uh, and and uh, I mean, Shark wasn't even... T- he wasn't even number two in targets. He was third in targets among wide receivers. So I'm, I'm nervous about uh, him and uh, that wide receiver uh, breakdown in general. Sean, what about you? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty concerned about Cooper Cup after week one. I, I've talked about this Rams offense looked a little bit different than I was expecting. They're, you know, they're going to run through uh, Robert Woods and Tyler Higby, similar to what we saw last year. So I think Cooper Cup – he's going to have to rely on his, his touchdown ability. And I think that's going to make him a little bit more fickle than people want. So I consider him more of a low end wide receiver two heading into this matchup against the Eagles, which is a pretty big concern because heading into the year, I, I thought he could be, you know, a low end wide receiver one. Um, but just based on the first signs of this offense, uh, I, I'm pretty bearish on him right now. Raybon, who do you have? Jamison Crowder, uh, last week was such a predictable big week for him. Uh, the Bills are lights out against tight ends. They, uh, you know, they have good corners on the outside so they can lock up, you know, Perriman and Hogan. But in this matchup against the Niners, I think the defense is a little stronger, you know, all the way around. And, well, I do think that they're going to still kind of have to avoid the, the outside a little bit um, because Sherman's still there. Overall, just not the same type of matchup for Crowder in a game that I love the under. I think we all bet the under in this game when it first came out. So just not a game where uh, – and also I'm not expecting San Francisco to – this sounds crazy, but be nearly as good as Buffalo on offense. So I don't think that the, the Jets will get into like a, a shootout situation. Crowder had, what, a 69-yard touchdown. That's not going to happen every week. So um, 5.4K salary kind of jumped up. Uh, I prefer to kind of sit this one out uh, with him. And obviously the, the injured guys, if they play – uh, not in great spots either. Cortland Sutton going against the Steelers at 6K uh, and, uh, and Devontae Parker at, at 5.9K. A uh, little too much for, for each of those guys considering that, uh, that they're banged up. All right, a guy I'm looking to stay away from is Keenan Allen. Uh, and this goes along with what TJ said earlier about uh, his concern for Tyrod Taylor. Uh, it's just a, a negative situation all the way around for that offense. Um, I do think that Mike Williams has a skill set that actually might be better with Tyrod Taylor, uh, who can throw down the field and uh, Williams has a chance at getting it. Whereas with Keenan Allen, I think it requires uh, a little more timing, just a little more familiarity. Uh, And of course, Hunter Henry is there uh, who can compete for targets in the middle of the field. So I just, I think it's a bad situation all the way around for Keenan Allen. And uh, he's someone I just anticipate having very little exposure to uh, in DFS for the rest of the season. All right, let's get to tight ends. The, uh, the guys we have at the top of our board, uh, Kelsey, Andrews, and Waller. Uh, TJ, 
of course, with the uh, injury to George Kittle, uh, you know, people are going to be a little bit cautious about that, something to monitor throughout the week. But how are you stacking the top three? Uh, yeah, I don't think there, there's any reason to get away from your guys' top two there. Kelsey and Andrews uh, seem pretty obvious to me. Uh, and then, like you said, Kittle, um, it just comes down to health. If I get word um, that he's active, he's my tight end three. Uh, Darren Waller, I actually surprised um, – that I like him because I, I was uh, pretty trepidatious about drafting him going into the season, but big target share going into uh, big target share in week one and Raiders should be a negative game script uh, against new Orleans. I believe that's on Monday night. So uh, if Kittle is out or limited, then I'm fine with Waller at three. All right, Sean, your top three. How are you stacking these guys? Yeah, I have it. Uh, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, and Mark Andrews. That's probably going to be a fixture for the rest of the season. But yeah, we'll have to monitor uh, Kittle's injury uh, heading into week two. Raybon, what are you doing with the uh, the Kittle injury? Yeah, I've bumped him down a little bit. Um, kind of just knocked his target share and his routes run down a little bit because I, I think that even if he plays, he may be a decoy. And again, I'm just expecting a very close to the vest um, kind of offensive game plan against these New York Jets, um, especially San Francisco with the uh, going around the, going to, uh, you know, across the, the, uh, the country for an early start. It's just one of those games where you expect kind of a sleepy performance. Darren Waller's popping for me too. He's number two in my model right now. Uh, so I may, I may kind of adjust that. I feel like, uh, you know, Mark Andrews touchdown regression maybe is like happening too much in my model where, cause he's just been so good with the touchdowns, but obviously relying on that for, for a lot of his, um, production but um yeah I, I think it's for me it's going to be Kelsey Andrews and, and Waller and I'm not going to mess with Kittle in the top three even if he's active okay the uh the top three for me is the same uh Kelsey Andrews Waller going to be a little pessimistic on Kittle this week uh TJ who is a tight end that you are high on this week and going forward uh projection is probably not going to be crazy high this week but Dallas Goddard uh just the, the way the Eagles are set up right now uh, struggles with the offensive line. Um, I mean, they're, they haven't really had an, an off season because of so many injuries and, and moving parts uh, on their offense that there's no continuity. So I think what we saw last week is going to happen to against a lot of teams where Carson Wentz just needs to get rid of the ball quick and, and Goddard's going to have a similar value to Ertz in the coming weeks. And, and people are generally going to, to shy away from that because it's two tight ends and people aren't going to want to play the, the tight end two on a team. But I'm not jumping ship on Philly. I think a lot of people might. Uh, so I, I just think in general, this offense is one that's probably going to offer some low owned value in DFS in the coming weeks. Sean, who's someone that you are high on? So I'm pretty high on Hunter Henry this week uh, against the Chiefs. He, he's 5.1K. I think he'll be pretty under-owned, but he ran around on 85% of Tyrod's dropbacks. Um, I think he's going to be one of the players that Tyrod leans on heavily when the, they're, they get in comeback mode against the Chiefs. So he's a guy that I think if you want some leverage at tight end, you, you can go Hunter Henry here. Um, and then Jack Doyle is another guy. He, he's just a cheap flyer at 3.6K. You know, he only saw his four targets when Philip Rivers attempted 46 passes. But, you know, I think his target share is going to go up. And he, he was running a route on 70% of the dropback. So it's not like he wasn't out there. So I think we'll see some uh, positive regression when it comes to his targets this week against many at 3.6K. You could do, definitely do worse. All right, Raybon, who do you like? I mean, it's got to start with Mark Andrews again, you know, uh, at 6.6K. 
2K. I, I still think that's actually too cheap for him uh, on DraftKings. But, um, you know, moving down the list from him, I think Zach Ertz is actually – and I like Goddard as well, but I think Zach Ertz is actually a great play at 5.6K. Um, just a couple of kind of factors working in his favor. Uh, the first being him at home where, you know, historically – you know, since uh, Doug Peterson has got there, Carson Wentz has taken over. Ertz has performed extremely better at home. At home, he's averaging 7.1 catches for 76 yards and 0.6 touchdowns since 2016. Uh, well, on the road, that drops all the way down to 4.9 catches for 49 yards, and the touchdowns get cut in half to 0.3. So you have Zach Ertz back at home, Carson Wentz coming off a, a, a bad game where he was out of rhythm targeting his – you know, newish wide receivers deep down the field, Rager, Jackson, both guys he hasn't played many games with. Uh, I just think he's going to lean on uh, Goddard, as, uh, as TJ mentioned, and, and of course his main guy, Zach Ertz. So uh, really love a kind of um, big, big performance for Ertz just because uh, Wentz is going to lean on him. And then uh, looking at uh, Logan Thomas, I think Logan Thomas is going to be uh, a value again because, you know, like them last week ended up coming through with the touchdown, but he's a guy that ran a route on almost every one of the uh, dropbacks for uh, Washington. And we, we, you know, the Cardinals, we don't know exactly how much they've improved against tight ends because George Kittle had four for 44, I think in the first half. So he's on pace for 88 yards on eight catches, I believe. Uh, and then really didn't do anything in the second half. So this Cardinals defense still may not be, uh, much improved against that position. And Logan Thomas is a cheap source of, of routes and a guy that uh, may be involved, I think, more than we think all year. Uh, the, the guys backing him up really didn't play uh, any type of snaps of significance. One thing that Kittle, Kelsey, and Andrews all have in common is that they had a lower target share than Logan Thomas in week one. Bang! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with you there on Logan Thomas and uh, another guy I like, I'm incredibly high on him. I was high on him uh, you know, in season long, Noah Fant who tore it up on Monday Night Football and really had the opportunity for a much bigger game if uh, the Broncos had done the reasonable thing and, you know, targeted him uh, more than they did. Did uh, anyone like, see what happened? In, like, did you see what happened? Like, what happened to him in the second half? I don't even think he got a target. No, they just – they. I think they gave him <laughs> one target on the final drive, you know. But, yeah, the entire second half, uh, he really wasn't targeted after putting up, you know, like 81 yards or something like that on uh, on – five targets in, in the first half with the touchdown. So a bad matchup for him going against Pittsburgh. And that's something I'm going to look at a little bit more. Maybe I bump him down a little bit, but I think we continue to see Cortland Sutton. Um, if he doesn't play, uh, at least he will be limited a similar situation with KJ Hamler. So as long as Fant is really like the uh, best receiving option on that team, uh, I feel like I need to be pretty aggressive with him. So I have him in the top five right now. Uh, TJ, who is someone you are staying away from? Uh, Hayden Hurst. He's a, a player that I was nervous about going into the season just because I don't think we could safely assume that he was going to slide into the Austin Hooper role when Austin Hooper was injured late in the season last year. Uh, we saw Russell Gage get a nice little bump in targets, and then we saw Russell Gage match Julio and Calvin Ridley in targets in week one. Granted, a lot of that was uh, after they were behind by a bunch, but they weren't going to Hurst, so that's concerning. As long as Todd Gurley um, is healthy, he has a chance to match or exceed Hayden Hurst targets uh, uh, every single week. So Hurst, a guy that a lot of people were high on going into the season and into week one, um, and a guy that I, I don't know that he's going to match those expectations at all this year. Sean, who are you staying away from? 
Um, so at 4.1K, I think Gronkowski might be a little bit tempting there, but uh, I'm avoiding him completely. Uh, he kind of looked like the 2018 Gronk, and you would expect him to be the healthiest um, this time of year. So uh, I think it's only a matter of time before O.J. Howard really replaces him. Um, he's going to become a very touchdown-dependent um, tight end. And, you know, I like Logan Thomas, who you guys mentioned, is $600 cheaper. I'd rather go that way. So just don't fall for Rob Gronkowski being super cheap this week. He, he definitely doesn't deserve uh, to be even 4.1K right now. Rayvon, what about you? TJ Hawkinson for me. Uh, and he had a really good game against the Bears, but the Bears were uh, near the top of the league in tight end receptions allowed last year. So that you could kind of see that coming, especially with Kenny Galladay uh, out for Matthew Stafford. But you look at the Packers and uh, Packers, a defense with – uh, generally, I think strong safety play. You look at what they did against Detroit last year. Hawkinson uh, had six targets and only 21 yards on four catches. Overall, uh, in that first game with Green Bay, eight tight end targets and just 29 yards. And then Hawkinson was out for the second matchup, but uh, Detroit had six tight end targets and only 20 yards uh, there. So 49 yards across the two games did Green Bay allow to – uh, Detroit tight ends in those two matchups in the division. And then, you know, in a game where Minnesota got behind and had to throw the ball a lot to catch up a 43-34 shootout, uh, only three targets combined between Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith, two for Rudolph, one for Smith. So Green Bay is a team that uh, I am going to be uh, fading when it comes to the tight end position. Uh, so Hawkinson coming off the big week, overvalued at, at 5.2K. And one guy I'm staying away from is Evan Ingram. I think, you know, not necessarily a great matchup going against Chicago. And then the bigger thing is that I'm just down on that uh, entire Giants offense. Uh, and so, you know, maybe that's something I need to adjust a little bit from my priors. But it's not as if he did anything notable at all in week one. He had seven targets, which is a good number, but uh, didn't do anything with that usage. And uh, I have him outside of my top ten. So someone just looking to stay away from the NFL season is upon us, and our friends at BetMGM Sports are offering Action Network podcast listeners a great sign-up offer. Just make your first deposit using the bonus code ACTIONPOD and receive a 100% deposit match up to $500. They've got parlay bonus payouts, live betting markets, daily odds boosts, all sorts of great stuff. So download the BetMGM app today or visit BetMGM.com to sign up and use the code ACTIONPOD to double your bankroll with a 100% deposit match up to $500. As a reminder, you must be 21 or older and physically located in the great states of Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, or West Virginia. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia, or 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promo offer not available in Nevada. And now, back to the show. Sean run through some of these right. positional props. All right. Um, so the first one is Aaron Rodgers passing yards uh, against the Lions. I'm going to need some help with this one because, um, you know, how much of his week one performance was due to him being, you know, motivated or how much of it was the Vikings defense being, you know, broken until they figure out their secondary. So um, I, I have his over under at 278 and a half yards against the Lions. I will take the under, but just barely. I have it at 272 and a half. Under. I have it in the 250s. I'm not overreacting to one game. Uh, and I think, you know, the Lions played pretty well in past defense until the fourth quarter. 
Uh, so I'm just not convinced that this team is one that um, is going to be super exploitable um, for such a high total. 278 is pretty high. I think um, the Lions are dealing with some injuries, though, in their secondary. Uh, Justin yeah, Coleman, I think, left the game, and Akuda is out. And they were, you know, the team that allowed, uh, I think, the most air yards in the league last year. So I'm still pretty down on that Lions defense. Even I mean, uh, got- Trufant, Trufant got hurt as well, so all three starting cornerbacks are questionable. That's what that's what makes this prop even trickier. Oh, they're questionable. Oh, like, oh, yeah, okay. I might have to raise it a little yeah, bit. All but three. I mean, yeah, <laughs> not good. I was factoring in like the fact that like eight players like they lost like uh, like who was it Collins to ejection like I know they they had a yeah. bunch of weird things go but yeah I didn't realize all three were questionable. Yeah, okay, I'm still going under though. <laughs> TJ, what about you? Um, under for me. I mean, approaching 300 is a big number for anybody. And like Chris said, I'm not uh, going all in on the Packers. And and there's still a lot of question marks after Devonte, even though Lazard had a nice game. Definitely fair enough. I will probably be lowering that projection uh, after we record. Next up is Jonathan Taylor rushing yards. Uh, the Marlon Mack injury was was brutal, but um, you know it, it inserts uh, Jonathan Taylor as a starting running back now. So I think we could get excited about that. Um, so I have his uh, initial projection at sixty five and a half rushing yards this week. I'll take the under. I have it at 59 and a half right now, but that honestly just feels too low. And I, I want to go back in my projections and, you know, take um, market share away from Naheem Hines and give it to Jonathan Taylor. So I might be adjusting up, but right now I'll take the under. Yeah, that's tough. I actually have it at 59 and a half right now, but I feel like I'm, I, I feel like I'm going to adjust it up a carry or two. So I'm just going to go over cause I think he's actually a, a big, a big play threat. And again, just concerned about this uh, this Viking defense. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm actually going to lean over because of the concerns about Viking defense. I think they just might be way worse than we expect. And Andy's going to have a bounce back game uh, without uh, Marlon Mack. I, I think Taylor Taylor actually, I'm saying, has his coming out party and goes bonkers this week. All right, next up is uh, a guy I think we're, we're probably going to get sit-start questions heading into Thursday Night Football, uh, which is weird to say, but Odell Beckham at home against the Bengals. We didn't get to talk to him, uh, talk about him too much, but curious where you guys have him projected. I have his over-under receiving yards at 59.5. I'll take the over. Good targets uh, continue to be targeted. I think it's just uh, a great situation for him this week. I have him at 60, but – that's kind of more the average and I'm not factoring in that he's, I haven't factored in that he's questionable. I didn't realize he was that questionable. Um, so usually I knock guys down about uh, anywhere from five to 10%, maybe more. So I, I'll probably land more in, in the 55 ish range. So I'll go under. I know it was against the Ravens, but I think Baker is just broken and it's going to kill a lot of people's value. Odell under. That's fair. I think it's a big running game again uh, with yeah. on a short week. You know, yeah. Chubb didn't get enough carries. You were way too aggressive in the past. I think it's all about Chubb this week and, and Hunt as well. Yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. Expect a lot of sit-start questions with Odell involved in them this week. All right, so next up, uh, tight end. I have Zach Ertz versus Dallas Guard receiving yards. Um, and I'm making uh, Zach Ertz a 10.5-yard favorite. I'll go Ertz. Um, I have it closer. I have it in the teens. So I, I still think, again, Ertz at home. He's just been, I don't know, like home road splits are, they perplex me because they're generally noisy. But we have a going back to 2016 with his like quarterback who's like, th- those two are like really kind of connected I, and a, a quarterback coming off a bad game. I just think Ertz is going to be the guy he leans on. And Goddard had a big play last game, um, which is going to, you know, his stats compared to Ertz's might be at an all time, you know, 
high in terms of the per yardage reception. So, yeah, I'll go Ertz here. Big game, I think. Yeah, I have uh, this as a spread of 15 right now. Uh, I have Ertz around 53 and Goddard around 38. So I will take the Ertz side of it. I mean, until Rager gets more reps, until this offensive line gets figured out, until Miles Sanders is 100%, I'm going to say Goddard and Ertz are coin flip every week. Um, so I'll take uh, I'll take Ertz with more yards, but I'll say Goddard gets within the 10. I don't know if that is if that answers the question. So Goddard plus 10 and a half. Yeah. All right. Like it. That was a good one. That was a good one, Sean. Yeah. Uh, all right, TJ, thanks for being on the show. What content should people check out at 4 for 4? Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, everything that I'm doing DFS-wise is at 4 for 4. Uh, weekly FanDuel breakdowns, weekly cheat sheets. We have Pat James on on the DraftKings side of things. And then I, I talked about Yahoo uh, tournaments. I think they're fantastic value for anybody playing DFS, like explore your other options. Uh, I'm doing a weekly column for uh, their Yahoo Baller, which is their main event strategy on yahoo.com. All right. Awesome stuff. Be sure to follow TJ on Twitter at TJ Hernandez. You can follow Sean, Chris, and me in the Action Network app at the underscore odds maker, Chris Raybon, and Matt at the Oracle. Use the app to get real-time odds and track your bets for free. Please subscribe to and rate and review the show and listen and download on Spotify. See you again next episode. We're finished talking.